Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Joining us on the John Schuster Caldwell Banker Hotline, the one and only P.J. Hill, who is uh, getting the best tickets in town these days, man. You, you've been watching everything in the front row, P.J., the Final Four, the Timberwolves. <laughs> man, I've been I've been blessed, Mike. How you doing? Thanks for having me on. Good. Sir. How are you doing? Oh, awesome. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Yeah, what did you think of the Wolves last night? You know what, man? I was a little disappointed. You know, being that we're so close to get that sixth spot, I, you know, I thought we was going to come with a little bit more fire. But I understand it's a long season and, and, and things happen. The, the, I loved watching Washington when they played the game that well, though. Do, do you? I mean, I mean, you can root for whoever you want to root for, but you're a basketball fan. I thought it was really fun to watch. Uh, and it, to me, it, it, it speaks to the NBA and how good it is. There's a team that, uh, relatively speaking, is a bad team, and man, are they good. Yeah, I mean, you know, you got Porzingis, you got, you know, Ishmael Smith, who's just been like, you know, guy who's just survived in the league. But, you know, it's the 400 best players, and if you don't come to play any night, you know, the guys can really fill it up. The the women's final four ran into yet as well. Uh, how'd you like it? What was it like for, from where you sat? Oh, it was awesome, man. We were so honored to be able to see our girl Paige. Yep. You know, we all missed her in 2020 when COVID took away the chance for her to get a state championship. So I think all of Minnesota was super excited, though she felt a little bit short. We were all there to just show our support for her. And big shout out to Don Staley. She's just a hell of a coach, man. What do you think of her? She 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 brings it. She tells you what she's going to do, and then they do it. <laughs> I love it. You know that is for for women's sports and and just uh, just coaching. She's truly a trailblazer with the, the first African American coach to win multiple national championships. She is just uh, a true beacon of hope and a, and a leader in trailblazing in, in women's sports. PJ, uh, Minneapolis, uh, you have been in the middle of it since the beginning of it, since before George Floyd and all those things. You grew up here. Uh, your dad's done business here for a lot of years. You understand the city of Minneapolis and, and, and what it was, what it's been through, maybe what it could be. Uh, what do you think right now as you sit? And we sit here and kind of, uh, the, the, the part of us is in a, in a state of frustration because we're not quite sure what's going to happen next. From where you sit, let's start with the positives. What are the best things going on that you see right now in Minneapolis? I think positive. Um, you know, the mayor has finished some of his uh, three of his, a couple of his groups that he started the governance group. I chaired uh, the economic recovery yeah. and development group or group. It was great. I think the synergies that came out of the great organizations and the leaders who who came together to sit at this table to really try to blaze a new path forward 
for uh, the city of Minneapolis and just really put a focus on, you know, communities that have, um, you know, historically been left out of this recovery and making sure that they feel that economic push as we all do. So we don't, you know, look back five or 10 years from now and say, ah, we, we missed out on a great opportunity. So that's a bright spot. Being able to work with people like Lewis King, Bill English, Peter McLaughlin from List, Alfredo Martel from, from Mita. It was a great group of people, and we really got in there and moved the ball forward, came with some great strategies so the mayor can be able to implement, you know, have short-term success and then some long-term things that can really move the ball and change the narrative for many of these communities. So what is the opportunity that they have to make sure that they don't miss right now? Where is it? What is it? I think what, what we have to make sure we don't miss is uh, getting all the way down and making sure that the people feel it. You know, we come with some of these such big strategies and we're always thinking really big for the whole city. But we got to remember that it's the people who make up these neighborhoods, who make up these communities. So we have to make sure that they feel themselves and see themselves in a part of all of this work that we're doing and that they feel that the changes are being made. Um, I mean, the, the, the necessary changes are being made and they feel that and they feel apart and involved. And I think that's where we need the mayor's leadership. We need leadership, um, you know, from just multiple organizations. Like I'm the vice president of the NAACP. Our president, Ms. Cynthia Wilson, has been, you know, encouraging people right there on the front lines, but just communicating authentically to the people so they feel it. All right, let's just take, for example, Broadway over on North Minneapolis. And you say, okay, we need, we need to change maybe the uh, the feel of it a little bit. How could you encourage, what could be done so that people wanted to, to uh, open small businesses there and be entrepreneurs there and, and, and give it a new vibe? Uh, that, that's a great question. I think, uh, you know, from a, from a government standpoint, how do you invest in those community community strategically, but also have the ownership of that community reflect that community's makeup. And so you have programs like the Commercial Redevelopment Fund, which will give minority developers uh, one-third of the funding to any project endeavor that they do within real estate. So now as a, as a business owner, as an entrepreneur, I can try to now own uh, the property that my business is housed out of. And I think that ownership starts to bring a sense of pride and it starts to change the narrative for these communities. Ownership is what really helps you build wealth. And if we're talking about building wealth and closing these gaps, that's the number one thing. Investing in these young entrepreneurs, investing in these communities so they can own the community. PJ, so, so let's just say some of that gets set up and in place. How do you know who's going to be a successful entrepreneur? You don't want people that are just saying, hey, I think I'll give this a shot. I'll dip my toe in the water. you got to go all in to be a successful small business owner, particularly if you're starting from scratch and don't have a plan B. How, how, do, we, how do you create an environment so that you get the best and the brightest to invest in it, to be the people out there on the front lines so that the, that the uh, percentage of success goes up greatly? Great question. Awesome question. I think you do that uh, a number of ways. One way is by having strategic partnerships and having organizations who have specialties in, you know, building entrepreneur uh, capacity building, 
um, giving them the financial acclimate that they need, um, partnering with organizations like NDC, uh, Renea NDC, the Neighborhood Development Center, who does this a lot, partnering with uh, Mita, Alfredo at Mita, to be able to give these entrepreneurs the support and the capacity that they need. Because a lot of times, I own, um, between my partner and I, Dan Coleman, we own several commercial spaces, and we see that the gaps is really small. We're talking fifteen, twenty thousand dollars that these entrepreneurs don't make it. A lot of times they have great skills of being able to cook or anything like that, but they miss the business acclimate part. So how do we fill that gap strategically with different organizations? And we all kind of play our part in shepherding them along so that they can make it. If you were going to look at Minneapolis right now. And let's just say that you're going to open, for sake of argument, uh, uh, a good strong sandwich shop with, with, with a, a branch of it that has good coffee. What part of Minneapolis would you go to and why? That is a great question. I mean, there's so many amazing corridors uh, along the city. I mean, you look at what, what Houston White has done with Get Down Coffee right over there off of Weber Park. That's a great corridor. He has the North Market. He has his barbershop, which is a great business. Um, it's backed by the library. It's right off there up the parkway. And then you put a great local business in there where people can come and have that Starbucks feel, but also a community feel. So get them in different corridors like that. You know, a lot of my work has been done on 38th of Chicago, you know. Yep. Um, but obviously that that's a little bit longer cycle just because of the events that happen there. But there's a lot of great corridors. Lake Street has been awesome. You know, me, I'm a, I'm a South Sider by heart. Yeah. So, uh, you know, Lake Street is somewhere where I have a lot of passion around and doing things on those corridors, Chicago corridor. You know, PJ, I was out the other day, um, not far from Hiawatha Prep, you know that high school, uh, yep. and, and not far from where uh, the, the third precinct and the target that was ravaged. And, and, and I find a little, I'm looking for a cup of coffee and I find one and I, and I walk in and it's, um, it, it's all Somalians and me. Okay. And, mm-hmm. and, and so I get my cup of coffee and, and now I have to, I, I'm not trying to pat myself on the back, but I have an unfair advantage in that they recognize me from TV. Right. So mm-hmm. we start to talk pretty soon. We're joking. We're laughing this and that. But what I what what I think as we go forward is part of the missing piece here is I'm thinking anybody could come in here and joke and laugh and interact uh, of different racial backgrounds with each other. But until we start doing it with each other, uh, I mean, because we were just having fun. We were we were making fun of each other. We were laughing all the things that you do when you're in a social group and and, and you're just letting loose. I, I worry about that because I know it's possible for the different races to interact. And I worry about our neighborhoods getting so segregated in Minneapolis in particular mm-hmm. that, that one doesn't penetrate the other and you don't go there if you're not this in background. And yet there's this unbelievable opportunity. You know better than anybody. You sit down pretty soon, you're laughing, and it doesn't matter the color of the skin. How, how do we get that integration? But, you know, that's an awesome question. And I don't think I have the, the exact answer. But but what I can say, though, to that is you need a lot of people who are not afraid to be a bridge. And I'm one of those people, one of many people who can live in the community but can relate to so many. Like, I grew up on 26 and Cedar, so I spent a lot of my time growing up in Little Earth. 
a lot yeah, of Native Americans. Yeah, for people Ameri- that are familiar, Little Earth is a Native American uh, school uh, area in there, but it's also Native American neighborhood. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, having those diverse upbringings, I think, you know, it just broadened my horizons. And I think what we all need to understand is, though we all have different stories, we share common hopes. And these common themes and threads between all people are things like this. Everybody wants to be able to just provide for their family. They want to be able to raise their family in a safe environment. But everybody wants to leave their communities and their neighborhoods, their families, a better place than they found it. So I think starting with those common things between all of us can help us, you know, find that common ground between us. And then, you know, that we're all people. We're all people. And if you come and you recognize that and you have an authentic heart, I think you can survive anywhere. And then that's how we start to integrate a lot of these neighborhoods. But some of it is just, I mean, we all have to take that first step, right? And and, and I learned yeah. that, you know, I learned that through the George Floyd and, and everything else. Not that I wasn't involved in the inner city, uh, but you have to be willing. And this isn't a government thing. This isn't a money thing. This isn't a, any, this is you being willing to shake the hand of somebody and, and engage them in conversation, somebody that doesn't look like you. Man, you're 100% right. You know what you are? Mike, you, you know, you got a unique uh, skill set with people that you're not afraid to get out there and just be yourself. And knowing that you may have a different upbringing, you may be in a different social economic class, but that doesn't matter when you're a human and you talk about respecting people and you talk about standing side by side and, and, and um, acknowledging somebody's struggle. That's what you did for all of us when we were standing up to a system that we felt was treating so many people unjust. And that's why I have so much respect for you. And every time you ask me for something to come on the radio for anything, I'm always there because I respect people who see past all of that and willing to take the first step. And that's what we need more people to do. I I think a big part of it, PJ, I appreciate the kind words, but a big part of it is just admitting that you don't have the answers, right? But you're willing to listen. Yeah. Yeah, no, you're 100 right. This is what people in the suburbs and people from us. I said, all you got to do is listen. You don't. Need, you don't have to worry about saying the right thing. Just, just talk and listen, and and it, you'll be amazed at what you learn. And I, I know I'm oversimplifying something. Do you see some hope for that because of this? Oh, of course, of course, I, I see that. You know, one thing I know that that happened. Uh, out of the wake of the unrest and everything that happened is a lot more people. America really had to face itself, but I think a lot of people started to say enough is enough. And how do we make the changes that we want to see in our communities, in our neighborhoods, starting with their families, knowing that we all have blind spots and how do we address that? Last question, PJ. The the teacher strike took a toll. So did COVID. How much do you worry uh, about the city of Minneapolis and the education gap? Oh, man, that is one of my biggest worries. You know, I have siblings in the Minneapolis school system. My daughter is in the Minneapolis school system. I fear that um, it's going to get our kids behind, man. COVID was really tough. You know, my wife is... Uh, I add man, a principal, mm-hmm. you know, I've been very well educated. We both have college education, but it's still hard for us to be able to teach our daughter to be independent, to be able to watch her while she's out of school for a whole month. 
So I, I feel for all the kids. That's why I advocate every day for our teachers, for our educational system, because we have to pour into the next generation. Otherwise, we just perpetuate the gaps that were created already. Yeah, I know. And there's, I, I, there's a lot scary out there, but I can tell you one thing. At least at least some of us, maybe not all of us, are talking about it, right? Yeah, that, I mean, that's it. What I want people to do, man, is think of themselves as change agents and start with themselves. I and here's what I mean by a change agent. Like, um, if you get, use the example of uh, a thermostat, a thermostat is not only able to measure the temperature in the wing room, but it's able to change it. Different than a thermometer that's only able to measure it. So you be a thermostat, be able to change that social climate in a room and be a change agent. Absolutely. And, and, and you can be. you got to empower yourself to be. Yeah. But don't say to me one more time, oh, boy, we need to get this thing figured out. Yeah, we do. But that means we. That means all of us. Right? I mean, we all got to take a step. Not just, it can't just be, yeah. hey, call the governor, tell him to figure this out. It, it isn't like that, but we can do it. Hey, PJ, we could go all night about this. We will a different time, but always enjoy seeing you. And thank you oh, so much for pleasure. joining us and giving us some perspective. Thank you, Mike. Have a great night. You too. PJ Hill. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend, or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.